0: I'm going to be sharing some scriptures today that deal with our spiritual walk and um, what it looks like to be in the race of life as the scriptures describe it. Uh, Over and over again, uh, scripture uses the term race when it comes to uh, how we live as Christians. And uh, we need to talk about what kind of race we are running And how it differs from person to person one of the things that uh i think that sometimes we can get caught up with as christians is that we start to compare ourselves to others and one of the things that i have learned as i've studied god's word over and over is that it's very clear that we all have our own walk that we're on we all have our own mission we have our own uh, trail that we're going along and we have to learn what that is for us and do the best we can in terms of living the kind of life that God has chosen for each of us. When I think of uh, going on a run or a walk, that sort of thing, I think uh, of how uh, different it can look. So for Ann and I, we, we go uh, in a walk in our neighborhood, and if we get in a mile or a mile and a half, we've done really well. You know, we, we, you know, hey, well, we really got a good walk in today, you know? And uh, of course, I am old, so, you know, it makes a big difference. She's not, but I am. And, uh, but, uh, so it does make a difference. And then I think about um, some of you know uh, Dan and Kathy Johnson's daughter, Heidi Bray. Uh, Heidi is one of those people who's out on her bike uh, or walking or running just about every day, all year long. And uh, I, I'm Facebook friends, so I see all of her pictures of these runs and bike rides that she's on and that sort of thing. And one day I, I was reading one of her posts, and uh, on it she was talking about how she had run up the backside of Sugarloaf Mountain. Now, uh, some, some of you have walked up it, and it's a challenge and it's a, it's a difficult thing. But to run up the backside of it to me is like mind boggling. Now, I just saw somebody lean over and look at uh, Derek over here. And uh, I know he's a, a marathon runner and does a lot of other running. Have you run up the back of Sugarloaf Mountain? No, okay. All right. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but he did, he did break his wrist running. Uh, but, uh, but that's, you know, we all run and walk and go in different directions. One of the, th- one of the uh, people that boggles my mind is uh, some of you remember the Helwig family that uh, uh, lived here for many years in, in this area. And they have a, uh, well, Doc and, and, and his family have a granddaughter, Deanna uh, Helwig Johnson, who lives in Barnum, Minnesota. And uh, Deanna is married to her husband, Brandon Johnson. And uh, he runs, 100 K which is 62 miles races and 100 mile races on a regular basis Uh, I can't even imagine what that would look like to run 100 miles so I asked I contacted them and I said it's okay if I mention because we were on first service we were on tv and i asked is it okay if i mention that you know and they said yes and i said well what does he do to train for this how does he how does he train how does he prepare and uh so his wife wrote back and said he runs between 60 and 100 miles every week every week 60 to 100 miles of running and i was thinking to myself wow i mean that's really a huge commitment and it really would help you in terms of your preparation for running uh, 60k or 100 miles so you can kind of see the contrast there right between a mile to a mile and a half and a hundred miles it's kind of the similar but you know not not too close um but we're all we're all on a different race we're all on a different walk we're all on a different trail in terms of our spiritual walk. And we have to do what these people do, which is train and prepare and get yourself ready in our spiritual walk. If we don't get pre- if we don't get ready, if we don't prepare ourselves, if we don't take the time to train and get ready for our spiritual walk, then it's going to be very difficult for us to complete it in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God. And so, my challenge today is that we all work at being prepared, that we all work at making sure that we're on the right trail, that we're walking and and getting ready in the right way for our spiritual challenges that are going to come and the things that will will, uh, get to us. So if you have your Bibles with you today, I'd like you to turn, if you would, to Hebrews uh, chapter 12. And I'm going to be looking at uh, just verse 1 in there. And I'm going to uh take you to several different verses here uh during the, the message here today uh so uh kind of keep your bibles handy there so but um as i was thinking about this whole thing about our spiritual walk and the the race that's set before us and the the challenges that we have i was thinking of this verse uh, 1 of chapter 12 of hebrews therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now when I think about that, I think about, um, again, these racers, right? And so if you were to think about running up Sugarloaf Mountain, the backside of Sugarloaf, it really wouldn't make a lot of sense, would it, to throw like a hundred pound Backpack on your back and decide you're gonna go running up there, right or if you're gonna run a 60 mile or hundred mile race You know, why would you carry some great big heavy load of weight with you as you're trying to run that race? It doesn't make sense that you would do that well, we as Christians sometimes carry an extra load upon us that we shouldn't be carrying and that extra load is the sin that we often carry and the sin may be uh, guilt or anger, maybe pain or hate. It could be any number of different things that we have and experience that we're carrying, and we're trying to run this race called life. And we want to finish that race. We want to we get there in such a way that, that we're honoring and pleasing God. And we're going to talk further about that. But if we don't get rid of that extra baggage, that we're carrying it makes it much more difficult so the scripture is very clear it's we're to run with endurance but before we do that set aside the weight set aside that thing that you're carrying that's holding you back that's hindering your run your walk your ability to to walk and and run in a way that is honoring and pleasing to God that's not always easy. It's not always something that we can like, oh yeah, I think I'll just get rid of my sin, or i just get rid of, but but God has given us a manner of doing that, which is confession, communication with him, asking for forgiveness, and working through some of the things that are holding us. We're all on these different journeys, and no two Christians have the exact same one. And one of the things that, that sometimes we, we can get into this habit of saying, well, I understand what it is that you're carrying i understand your sin i understand the pain i understand whatever and the reality is is we can never truly fully understand what somebody else is going through we can never truly understand or or have unless we've experienced it ourselves the pain that somebody may be uh, dealing with and so we have to learn uh to deal with that you know one of the things that uh i shared in the first service you know when when i when all of this stuff started with the anger toward the police and and the and and everything was just ramping up and getting really bad i found myself getting very angry as a former police officer getting very angry toward those people who were attacking fellow police officers and i found myself almost wanting to go down this trail of hate toward the people who were saying those things. And, I, and there were a couple of times when I actually sat and, and I, on Facebook or whatever and I started writing something. It's like, shut up, stop that. And I backed up and got rid of it, right? Because all I would have done was create more chaos in my life as well as in those other people. I had to get rid of that. I had to set it aside and get rid of that anger that I was carrying. And so we all have to learn how to do that. It's not always easy but it is always necessary. Again, if you have your Bibles, I have another verse I would like you to look at a couple of verses in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading verses 12 and 13. It says this Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure, his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. We have to work out our salvation. We have to... uh, we, don't, we can't earn our salvation. It's a gift that we get from God when, when Jesus Christ came into this world and took our sins. But we can work out our salvation. And working out our salvation means that we do the things that God has called us to do. It, it, you, we each have a different calling, we each have a different mission. And we are to go about doing whatever it is that that is. And, and so, you know, uh, I see the Wickstroms here, they have a mission. Their mission has been to bring the Word of God through music here in the United States, but also in foreign lands where they have gone and done ministry. That's a different mission than I have. It's a different ministry than I have. It's a different ministry than most of you have. But it's their ministry. And, and the call here is to work that out. Work, out. work out your salvation in a way that you're serving and ministering to God in the way that He has called you to minister. God has something for each of us. For some, it may be uh, to to go out and to study the Word of God and maybe to tell your children about it. Maybe that's your mission. Maybe maybe your mission or your ministry that you've been called to, the working out, is to go and be a witness to your neighbors and tell them about Jesus Christ. Or maybe what you've been called to is to... uh, uh, go and evangelize in a number of other ways. Maybe at the workplace or wherever it might be where you're sharing the word of God. And each of us has a different one. You know, we saw, we, we saw those who were leading us in praise up in the front. And and, 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 and we were challenged to sing nice and loud. And, and I heard some good voices back there. And it was awesome. But that's their working out their salvation. They're working at a ministry that God has called them to. He hasn't called me to do music. You don't want me to sing for you. Yes. Amen. Yes. Thank you. And, and so we, we need to be doing the thing. We need to be working out what God has done for us and in us and helping others by the way we share our ministry. And if you notice at the end of that, I, I love this. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. None of us ever have a problem with that. That we may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. That's far from the way our generation is now. Things are a lot better. And among whom, catch this, you shine as lights in the world. Do you shine as a light in the world? When people see you Are they attracted to that light? And that light, of course, is Jesus Christ in our lives. Are they attracted to that? Or when they see you and interact with you, are they driven away? Are they pushed back and say, I don't want any part of that? We have to live in such a way that that people are drawn to the Lord, not pushed away from the Lord. And so this shining light, as I see it, really means that we need to be people who are living out what Christ has done in our hearts and our lives. Has he changed you? Has he, has he converted you in some way? And if so, are you demonstrating that and modeling it for others? Do people even know, whether it's your family or your friends or your neighbors or anybody else, do they even know that you're a Christian? Do you ever verbalize that so that they see that shining light and are attracted and drawn to it? And that's what we're called to do. Sometimes, you know, we have people that we assume have probably heard the word and they probably should have, they should know what it's all about and they should be living it. But then we deal with people out in real life. Let me give you an example. Recently there was a CNN journalist who had been raised in a Baptist family. So you assume if he was raised in a Baptist family that he heard the word of God, right? And he he had opportunity uh, at some point to to be taught about Jesus Christ and salvation. And then he went to a Catholic church. So again, you would think if he's at a, I mean, a a Catholic college, Catholic school, you would think if he's at a Catholic school, again, he would be hearing the word of God as part of the other teachings that are taking place, right? And, And so... You, you assume that this person probably would be growing up and, and following, at least uh, uh, know about Jesus Christ and know the truth about him. But here's what he said on CNN. Here's the thing. Jesus Christ, if that's who you believe in, Jesus Christ admittedly was not perfect when he was here on this earth. Obviously, he is not clear on what the word of God truly teaches. And as I read that article, I was really, really happy with this. Several uh, ministers who apparently know him or, or are well-known people who have actually reached out to him and said, hey, if you would like, I would love to meet with you and talk about these things and, and try to help you to understand really who Jesus was. And I, and I really appreciate that. But one of the other things that, that some of them did is they, they sent Uh, messages to him about scripture to disprove what he had said. I just want to share those real quickly with you here. 1 Peter 2.22, talking about Jesus says, he committed no sin. That's pretty clear, isn't it? it, The scripture says it. Do you believe the scripture? He committed no sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this about Jesus, he knew no sin. Again, that's scripture. Does this guy who was raised in a Baptist church, does he know scripture? 1 Peter 1.19, he was a lamb without blemish or spot. That's a description of a sin. He was without any. He was sinless. And Hebrews 7.26 says that Jesus was holy and blameless unstained by sin and here's where here's where I want to go with that folks we have to be careful who our influences are we have to be careful whose messages we're listening to where are we getting our information do we get it from God's Word or do we get it from somebody that we listen to out in a in a classroom or in a uh, another location someplace Where they're teaching us things that are not true about the Bible. As I read through the Bible every year, I I repeatedly learn new things. Always. God's Word is alive. It's challenging, and it, and it helps us to grow and to work out our faith because well, as we read his word, we see that there are things in there that affirm who he is. As I've been recently reading in, in uh, the Old Testament prophets, you know, I, I, I see uh, how God is, is correcting the Jews who are rejecting him and causing uh, a lot of problems. And at that point in time, you know, if you stuck in there, you'd think, man, well, there's no hope for them, so there's no hope for me. But then we read that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. When did he do that? He did that while we were his enemies, while we were sinners. God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross for you and for me. Is that a God who's worthy of our praise and adoration? Is that a God who is worthy of us pursuing and and, and going after and walking a path on that is glorifying? Absolutely. That is an awesome and amazing God. And we have to be careful that we don't listen to people who want to teach us false things about that God. We have to be in His Word. God's Word says, Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightfully dividing the Word of Truth. The Word of Truth is God's Word. We need to be in God's Word and studying it so that we're prepared for these times when when people want to push us off of the trail, the path that we're running on. Not always easy, but it is always necessary. Well, in... 1 Corinthians chapter 9 teaches us a little bit more about running the course. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 says this, Do you not know that in a prize all the runners run? Would you affirm that, Derek? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. He's using this example of running a race because in Corinth at that time, they held these great, big, fabulous races that were well-known all over that region. Next to the Olympics, it was the most well-known races that were out there. And he's using that example to make a point with them that they can catch a visual. You guys probably get tired of me saying this, but you know that I love visuals. I love to be able to look at something and say, Oh, I get it. It looks like this, or it's like that. And that's what he's doing here. He's helping them to see that there's a race. You all watch these races. And everybody's running that race to get the prize. The illustration here is to make sure that you complete the race. It's not about who gets first place or second place. It's about completing the race. It's about getting to the end and getting that, thr- that, that crown that we will receive if we have persevered and we trust and believe till the end. I gave the example earlier about Brandon Johnson running the 100 mile. Could you picture Brandon Johnson out there? He's running his 100 mile race, right? And he gets to about mile 50 and he decides, you know, I think today I'm going to take, I'm going to go that way instead of going over there to the finish line. And he decides to run off over there. And he runs, and maybe he runs another who knows how many miles. And then he he manages to get back over to the finish line and he's asking them to give him the prize. But the reality is he didn't run the course as it had been laid out for him by those who had set up the course. He ran his own race. He ran his own way. But the reality is, is we are to run God's race. We are to follow God and Jesus and his plan for us. And so we need to be careful that we're not getting diverted off of the path, but rather we're staying on the track and the path that God has laid out for us. We each have different paths, but they're all the same in terms of They come from Jesus Christ. I mentioned earlier about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us. You know, one of the things that sometimes we forget, that's that it's easy for us to think about other religions or other things and wonder, you know, like, how does it compare? There's no other religion. None. None that, first of all, has a living God. And our God is living because Jesus Christ, who came and died on that cross to take our sins, he died, but he was buried. He was in the grave for three days, and he rose. God raised him back to life again. And after being seen by hundreds of people for 40 days, he ascended into heaven, and he's still sitting alive at the right hand of God the Father. That is a God who loves us and cares about us. And so when he's asking us to run the race that he has set before us, he has given us a great model and a great example of that. And that model is Jesus Christ. And Paul did his best to try to, to live that as well. But admittedly, he says, I'm not perfect. I fail. You know what? You and I are not perfect. And you know, one and I, one and, once in a while, you and I will fail. We'll stumble and we'll fall and we'll make mistakes. But we have to learn to deal with that, confess it, get it off of our back so we're not trying to run that race carrying those failures, but rather give it to a glorious God who loves us. A couple more verses and then I'll close here. We have a goal, and that is to complete the race before us. As I've said several times, the race is different for each of us. Second... Timothy 4, 7 and 8. Paul shares this with us, and it's a description of him reaching the conclusion of his race. And I pray that this could be said of me and as of you as well. Paul says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. My sense is here that Paul was probably getting close to the end of his life. He knew that it was coming uh, soon. And he's reflecting back and he and he's thinking about these things. And he says, he's fought the good fight, he's finished the race, and he's kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. That's, that's a prayer that I have several times in a week for myself Lord help me to finish well help me to finish strong to to, to be a model and example of, of how to run the race of life in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you God let me not fail you Chris prayed earlier for Greg Lindstrom's family and cousin Greg and yesterday it was such a blessing to be with the family and to be sitting around remembering things about Greg. And talking about things that, that Greg had done and, and his interactions. And one of the things that I'll never forget is as I was praying, uh, Joanne had invited us over and we were Ann and I were there and we were praying for Greg on Friday. And I prayed something about Greg having trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And Joanne said, yes, he did. You see, because of that, Greg has finished the race. And the people who know and love him are reflecting on his life and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. And he is now, if he's trusted Christ as his Lord and Savior, is now in the presence of God the Father in heaven. And and that's, that's the kind of memory that Paul is asking for here. As we sat around yesterday, and I'm looking at some of the family, as, I, as we sat around yesterday, and I thought about some of these things that, that we were talking about with Greg, it, it, it was just such an encouragement, such a blessing. And that's what, that's what we want to have about us as well. Did Greg live a perfect, sinless life? Of course not. Have I? Of course not. Did Paul? Of course not. But Paul and Greg and I and many, maybe probably most of you have made a decision to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you have that promise of hope spent in eternity with God not because of anything you've done but because of his, his finished work on the cross. And so we can say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And on Tuesday in our Bible study, we were talking about from Revelation, and in the verses we were in, was talking about the people who were sitting, the elders who were sitting on the thrones, and they would take off their throne or their crown and lay it at the feet of Jesus because of what he had done for us and sing glory, glory, glory. And that's what we need to do on a daily basis in our lives with others. Our ultimate goal is not to receive an earthly trophy for running and competing and completing a race, but to receive a heavenly crown that will last for eternity. I'll close with this, Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is, your, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what, he, what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect." Accepting God's word, trusting it, allowing it to change our lives helps us as we walk this path of life. God has helped us and continues to help us and will help us, but we have to stay connected with him. We can't reject him and turn away from him. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, I thank you that you have given us Not just the race to run, the life to live, but God, you have given us the means of spending eternity with you in heaven. Not because of anything that we have done. There's nothing that we can earn our salvation, but God, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, you came. Even while we were your enemies, you came here to die on that cross for each of us. And we're reminded of these things daily by you Holy Spirit as you speak into our hearts and lives as you reveal truth to us from your word help us to stay connected to walk in such a way that it's honoring and pleasing to you that we may be that light that shines that light that attracts that non-believer who needs you in their life and they know it and they choose to trust because they've seen that light in us, because we are running the race in the way that you have asked us to run it. Thank you for being an amazing, awesome, worthy God. May we glorify you with our lives, we pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray, amen.